0: Well, you know me, um, I like to build models, right? And a couple weeks ago, there was a, a model convention or show in Portland, and, and it's a contest and all that stuff, and so I went to it, and I'm putting, you know, my exhibits on the table, and I hear somebody behind me talking to the show coordinator, and the show coordinator asks this guy his name, and he says, Jason Lookabilt. I kind of perked my head. I'm like, you know, I know that name. I don't know the person, but I know that name. I'm pretty sure that the Lookabills were members at St. Paul a long, long time ago. I mean, I've, I've seen that name in a directory or something. You know, so I look back and I look at the guy, you know, and I don't, you know, I don't know him or anything. And I thought, you know, maybe I should, uh, maybe I should approach him and, and mention, you know, Tell him why I think I, I might know his name. Uh, but then I, you know, because look-a-bill isn't, you know, it's not all that common. But then I thought, well, you know, maybe they're a big family in the Portland area. And, and he, you know, he has nothing to do with uh, St. Paul or would even know what Lutheran is. So uh, I just, uh, I didn't, uh, I didn't say anything. Uh, you know, we were there for different reasons anyways. But I get back to the office uh, a few days later and uh, look in the old directory And uh, sure enough, there he is on the right, kid on the right, Jason Lookabelle, you know. And uh, I thought to myself, well, you know, I wonder what happened. I mean, this was back in the 80s they were here. I mean, who knows, they might have moved or something and came back to the area. But, you know, it's not the first time that I've looked through old directories and seen some of you, you know, as far back as the 70s, Uh, and then a lot, lots and lots of people that You know, who knows? Who knows where they went? Have they just drifted away? You know, did they not listen carefully to what they were told during their church years? It would seem that was a concern for the writer to the Hebrews. That's why we should listen all the more carefully to what we have been told, or we may drift away. Now, that verse really sticks out for me, and maybe it's because I'm a pastor, and I can't help, feel, uh, help but feel somewhat responsible for those who drift away on my watch. On the other hand, to modify a famous expression, I can lead a person to water, but I can't make them drink it, right? When I was at the seminary and about to come out here, I asked a pastor that I was doing some field work for in St. Charles, um, what's the thing that disappoints you most about being a pastor. It's kind of a downer question, isn't it? You know, I mean, I of course I asked him what he likes the most, what are his, you know, best joys about being a pastor, but I wanted to be real I wanted him to be realistic with me so that I might know ahead of time, you know, what are some of the things that are not so great about being a pastor. He said, he told me when new people join the church and get involved and you see the spirit at work in their lives, And then all of a sudden, they're gone. You know, they just don't cut back. After nine years, if someone were to ask me that question, I'd say the same thing. But I would imagine it's not only pastors who are troubled by this. You too. You've got kids. You know, will they drift away someday? Maybe they already have. Maybe you're concerned about it for yourself. All the more important then to listen carefully to what you have been told. Isn't it something that the author of the Hebrews tells his audience to listen carefully to what's been told, meaning the Scripture as they knew them up to that point, you know, which would have been the, the Hebrew Old Testament, the Torah, the writings of Moses and the prophets, and also the Psalms, which he references in our reading today, but also this letter itself would eventually be included in the collection of God's word known as the Bible, you know, to be listened to more carefully so that you don't drift away. Isn't it something? Our English Bibles have these little, uh, whoops, (laughs) our English Bibles have these little, uh, uh, you know, introductories to paragraphs, uh, to chapters so that you kind of know what the theme is, what's coming. You get a taste of what, of what you're about to read, and uh, uh, they're mostly the same across the board, most English Bibles, but some are added, uh, some are a little different. But these were added on later, you know, they weren't in the original manuscripts. But I've got a Bible here for the, uh, for the chapter, for the readings for today, for Hebrews. It says, don't neglect your salvation. That's the heading don't neglect your salvation. Well, that pretty much sums up my message for you today. You yeah? know, from the Hebrews the question remains or the question might remain, how? How do we not neglect our salvation? Or why? Why would we? Why wouldn't we? The how part, that's the one I struggle with, not for myself but for other people. You know, what do I say? Pray more, that you don't fall away. Ask God to not let you drift away. Stay in the Word. Come to church more often than once every so often. You know, more often than not, I met with the usual response, I know, Pastor, but we're just so busy. I know, Pastor, but it's hard. The writer to the Hebrews would say, what's so hard about it? Stop ignoring what you've heard. Then he gives us the why. Why? Because we've been given such a great salvation. Without it, without Jesus, you know, we would be dead, right? Now, Hebrews is an odd book, that's for sure. You know, we don't know who wrote it. We're pretty certain Paul didn't write it because Paul puts his name at the beginning of all his letters, and this one's author remains anonymous, Whoever it was, though, he was concerned about some things. And it got included in the Bible because what he says squared with everything else that had been written about Christ. And so Christians used it to build up the church, to build up the body. But there's a little bit more about Christ in detail at the beginning of this letter than any others. The author makes this argument that Jesus, in his humanness, is higher than the angels, as far as creatures go. And this, being a letter to Hebrew-speaking people, that is, Jews or some particular Jews somewhere, we don't really know, the writer is 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 appealing to them to give up this new way of thinking that their souls and their bodies are going to be separated after death. And this was actually a classical Greek way of thinking that Plato and others wrote about, It's very popular stuff at the time, uh, sold a lot of scrolls. Uh, it was a way of thinking that was geared towards rejecting the body, this body, because of all its aches and pains and rejecting this world because of all its aches and pains. The thought was you could leave the body behind and become a, a floating soul somewhere in the cosmos, not feeling any more pain and enjoying some, something better than this world. The thing is, this kind of thing is still around today. I heard it just the other night on network television. The good doctor, you ever watch that show? A character in the show was dying of some cancer or something, and, he, and said he'd rather die and live on in the memory of his family than suffer anymore or go under surgery or treatment. You know, a very typical popular thought. I mean, not that I've watched every medical drama on TV in the last 30 years. You know, maybe you have. But I've seen a lot of them, from St. Elsewhere to the good doctor. And I can't ever remember hearing a dying character utter a single word to the Christian promise of the resurrection of the body and the life everlasting. Can you? Can you name one? It's just not out there in popular realm. What is popular, though, has crept into the church from time to time. I mean, how many of us have pictured heaven to be like this? Or with, you know, I mean, I don't want to get too cartoonish on you, but you've seen it. Angels plucking harps on clouds, that kind of thing. You know, the, the, the gate with St. Peter and everyone's got, uh, we, you know, we have wings and halos. I wish we had a name to the author of Hebrews. It would make it so easier to say every time who's saying this. But since we believe all Scripture is from God, well, then God says no to this. This isn't what He promises. Dude, I want my mansion with many rooms, you know? I want my streets laden with gold and jewels. I want my table to sit at with the best wine and the best food. I want my incorruptible body. Don't you? Yeah, amen, that's what God promises. If you don't, listen more carefully then so you don't drift away. It would be interesting to know just what the Hebrew audience's thing was with angels. Did they want to be like angels? Did they believe they would turn into angels? You know, whatever it was, God appealed to them through this letter to fix their eyes on the one who was for a little while lower than the angels, but is now above them. Fix their gaze on Jesus again. That's who who they've already been told about. Stop this fetish with angels or you're going to drift away. For you and I today, this has some implications. The body is not to be rejected or scorned, you know? You've heard the radical environmentalist mantra, humans are the scourge of the earth? Well, it's partly true because sinful mankind can't seem to take care of the earth in the way that God originally created him to. You know, we're colossal failures at it. But believing we're the scourge of the earth can lead to some pretty disturbing trains of thought like Human population needs to be thinned out for the earth to heal and recover. Have you ever read that from some essays, environmental essays? Yeah, well, who gets to do the thinning out, right? And who gets to be thinned out? That's the question. That's not a Christian worldview. In the Christian view, every person gets a shot at life. Every person is subject to Christ who came into this world as a person, a man. He was made perfect to cover our our imperfectness. He suffered and bled and died to make our suffering different. We may want to leave the body when we suffer, but His suffering is the way through which we get eternity with a new body on a new earth. Every environmentalist should be a Christian, you know? Why aren't they? God promises more than what the environmentalist struggles and fights so hard for now. A perfect world. It's going to happen. Why not be a part of it? I don't know. I'm getting off track. Every person suffering and dying in a hospital should be a Christian, wouldn't you think? The promises of God are so much better than the promises of the world, which include... I mean, the promises of the world are like, you know, better to die than to suffer. You and I are united with Christ in flesh and suffering. He came down into this world and in going back up, he's brought us up with him. The promise is for us and all people. It's a promise no, no person should ever wish to drift away from. One of us, a man higher than the angels, sits at the throne of God bringing our prayers to the Father, creator and sustainer of the universe and all that's in it, including tiny little earth. What's more is that the one who both speaks and hears those prayers, he's sympathetic to our plight. He knows what we've been through, what we're going through, and what we're going to go through. Ultimately, it all leads to us going through the door to heaven. God has endured temptation. He endured pain and suffering and has dealt so mercifully and kindly kindf- to you and me. You're a creature created in the image of God. He's called you by your name to be more than a disembodied spirit floating in the cosmos. You're a person, a human being destined for eternal life with God the Father. Jesus, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and all believers, don't neglect your salvation. Don't become another mystery has-been or was-been in the church directory. That's just me talking, but you know what I mean, right? And may the peace of God, which surpasses all human understanding, keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus.